Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to take it up and turn with me to Psalm 100. That will be our text for this morning. If you are visiting with us, it is a great privilege to have you with us. If you're unfamiliar with how we do what we do here, uh, we uh, spend some time singing in the praises of Almighty God, which we've been doing, and then we turn to His Word because we believe it to be the very Word of God, that God has spoken, He has revealed Himself, and He's done it through His Word, and that's why we turn there. Uh, we are looking at Psalm 100. We've been making our way this summer uh, through various psalms, and we find ourselves, at, find ourselves this morning at Psalm 100. Uh, in the psalms, if you haven't noticed, there are a whole variety of different types of psalms. So there are psalms of lament. There have been different psalms that talk, the psalms of ascent, where the, 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 the Israelites were making their way, ascending up to Jerusalem. This is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving, a psalm of praise and in thanksgiving to God. Now, I don't. I have to confess, I don't consider myself to be a great praiser, uh, a great adorer. And, I, and let me let me explain. Um, some of you are just amazing. You're amazing at praising. Uh, you, and you and not just God, but just everything. You know, you just you just everything is awesome to you. And 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 you. So you look at uh, you just heap praise on people and on movies and puppies and God. And and you just are so good at it. And to be honest with you, I, I envy you and um, I wish I, I admire you because you're such good adorers. Uh, I, on the other hand, because of my temperament and because I'm just an overall, just average guy, probably, I don't know, um, I have a hard time, and it makes it hard, because, especially on people like my wife, who, like, and here's how it works, so she'll get me a gift, and it's a, it's a wonderful, for my birthday, or just because she's awesome and brings stuff home for me, um, and, and she'll give me a gift, and then, and then I'll say, well, thank you, that's, that's, that's really great, um, and then... Uh, but that's not sufficient, right? It's, it's not quite enough. It's like, uh, what? Uh, she said, well, what, do, 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 do you like it? No, it's great. No, I really, it's, it's really, really good. And, and no, no, really, do you, do you, do you like it? Um, and, and that's kind of how the conversation goes for a few minutes. But at the end of the day, it's like a shirt, um, which makes me a bad adorer, right? It makes me, and it's just an all-around bad person, I think. Um, but that's kind of how it, how it goes, and it prompts her. And so when I come to a psalm like this, that is about thanksgiving, that is about praise, then it's a challenge. I find it quite challenging, to, 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 just because of my natural, natural temperament. Um, and so we come to Psalm 100. Now let us turn to the Word. Let me read these uh, short five verses, and then we will look at them a bit more in depth. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise in his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we now turn to your word because we believe that you have spoken to us through it, that this is how you reveal yourself to us. And so will you, by your spirit, open our eyes, give us soft hearts in order that we might praise you well this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
The first thing I want to draw your attention to this morning is that the psalmist gives us what I refer to as an invitation to praise, an invitation to praise. He says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The psalmist gives us an invitation, an an invitation to come. It's a call to activity uh, for the people of God to come and to, if you like, bring before him joyful worship or to come before him. And it's a call to exuberant, vocal, joy-filled worship before God. And this is for all people. That's what he says. All the earth is to come with this exuberant, joy-filled, vocal worship before Almighty God. They are called to worship. The psalmist says, shout for joy, to worship the Lord, to come before him. And then he continues in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. There's an invitation to come before the Lord with joyfulness and gladness in our hearts. And then he says there's an invitation to come before him with thankfulness, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So we are to come into. It's, is it interesting that he uses the, uh, the idea of gates um, in talking about the presence of God and that there are gates around the presence of God. One of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan, he, he was doing a, a bit on, on heaven and on gates. And he says, am I the only one who finds it odd that heaven has gates? He says, what kind of neighborhood is heaven in anyway? Does it like you die and go to some gated community? <laughs> it's funny to think about heaven having gates or, I mean, because what do you think of When you think of gates, maybe Buckingham Palace where they have those big, huge, intimidating gates with those guys in the funny outfits with the big hats that never smile. You know, it's it's not exactly welcoming, is it? It's not exactly like, come on in. We'd love to have you. There's... I have to admit, my, my neighbors put up a gate, um, next door neighbors put up a gate this summer. It made me wonder how, what I'd done. Um, now, I'll be honest with you, like, well, how bad a neighbor have we been that they decided they had to put up a fence between us and them? They said it was because of their dog and their two-year-old. I have doubts. Um, <laughs> but I'm totally blaming it on my kids. I'm just being honest with you. I think it's their fault. Because gates aren't necessarily welcoming to us. At least that's how I generally think of gates. It's usually to put separation. But that's not what God says here. He said these are actually the gates of the temple and the courts of the temple. And what he says, he's, he's saying that we are to enter into them. That the gates actually, for those who will come to worship God, the, these gates, the gates are actually wide open. And the, the, we are to enter into these gates. That we are to enter, and how are we to enter into the gates? With great thanksgiving and with great praise. This is how we are to go into the gates. This is how we are to go. If this is where the temple of the Lord is, this is where the presence of the Lord is. How are we to enter into the presence of the Lord? Well, uh, well according to Hebrews, that we are to come boldly into the presence of God. That we are to come into the throne room of Almighty God with great boldness and with great confidence and with great thanksgiving and with great gladness and with great joy. When we come into the presence of God, when we come and we gather with the Lord's people, our attitude and our posture ought to be one of gladness and joyfulness and thanksgiving because of who God is and what he has done. I wonder if you've thought much about praise. Because it is a bit of an odd thing, isn't it? 
It's a bit of a strange, I don't know. I don't know if you often use the word. And actually, a writer, a Christian writer, C.S. Lewis, had a problem with this. And his initial, when he was first in coming to faith or came to faith, he struggled with the idea that God would demand praise and would command people to glorify him. And this, what he realized is that his stumbling block of this idea of, of God demanding praise or asking praise was actually a misunderstanding of God and a misunderstanding of what praise actually is. In his book and the reflections on the Psalms, C.S. Lewis says this, the most obvious facts about praise, whether of God or of anything else, had strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment or approval or the giving of honor. What I'd never noticed is that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows in praise. Anything that you enjoy, he says, spontaneously overflows into praise, no matter what it is. If you enjoy it, then you will praise it, he says. The world rings of praise. Lovers praise their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. The praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleagues, countries... Even historical people, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and even sometimes politicians and scholars. He says, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced minds praise the most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praise the least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, says Lewis, in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of something they care about. When you find something lovely, something beautiful, whether it's music, whether it's a person, whether it's art, then you find glory and you praise it. And what do you do? You invite other people to praise it alongside you. So Lewis says, when the psalmists, they find God beautiful, they find God lovely. And when God is the most supreme thing, they can't help but overflow with praise and they can't help but invite you and me to join with them. That's what he says. That's what praise is. It's finding God supremely beautiful. And when you do, you can't help but allow your heart to overflow with praise for God. And then you can't help but invite others to join you in the praise. This is what he says. And this is what you are to do. And this is what I am invited to do. We are, to, we are invited to come into the very presence of God and to find him supremely beautiful. And then we invite one another to do it together. Don't we glory together in the, in the Lord, he says, with gladness and with joy and with thanksgiving. And then he gives us not only the invitation to praise, but he also provides for us the language with which to praise. And I think this is really important. <clears throat> Because here he's giving us words to be able to use, to be able to to somehow articulate the praise of God. Language matters. Words matter. And we need to have words. Like, 
Several years ago now, as it turns out, my, my, my oldest son became a fan of NASCAR. He's always been a fan of cars, but somehow he became a fan of NASCAR. I'm not sure how that happened because all they do is turn left, but he did. Um, and so when your kids, as you parents know, when your kids become a fan of things, then somehow you learn, you, 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 well, I didn't know anything about it. And so I started to, as his interests grow, then we begin to learn. And there's a language that comes along with NASCAR, not the, there's, there's other kinds of language, but there's certain technical language that comes along with NASCAR, like splitters and downforce packages and track bars and green-white checkered finishes. I, I don't know. I had to learn what all of these things were in order. But when you do, when you learn the language, then you start to understand the sport and then you start to be able to find an enjoyment. I know that's hard for some of you to still believe, but it's true. It's the same as with any sport or with any profession. Because if you're going to go into finance, you need to understand the language as it relates to finance. If you're going to be a physician, then you need to understand. Because you go to your doctors and they tell you these big, long things that you've never heard of in your life. So then you have to go to WebMD to figure it all out, right? That's how it works. Because language matters, because terminology matters, and so does it with the worship of God. And the psalmist, all throughout the Bible, we get language with which to be able to praise and understand God. But here the psalmist gives us language which we can begin to start using to be able to express our praise to God. The worship, he says. We come and we worship God. We do it with joy, with gladness. When we come to the presence of God, what are we doing? We come to worship. How do we do it? We come with joy and with gladness, with singing. Where else do you sing? Maybe in the shower, maybe in the car to the dismay of those in the car with you. But we sing out, right? But here we sing in church. Why? Because God tells us to. Because part of the language of, of expressing praise and glory and worship and honor to God is through song. Because God somehow uses music to move his people, to remind them of himself. Thanksgiving, praise, blessing, language that God is giving us to be able to know how to praise him. And so in moments when our hearts are stirred and we say to God, Lord, I praise you and I thank you. Lord, it is with great joy that I come before you into your very presence. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful blessings that you have given to me that you have saw fit to provide. We get language. Or when we don't feel that way, that we're able to petition the Lord. Lord, I know what it is to experience your joy. Will you restore it? Lord, my heart wants to sing to you with gladness, but it is heavy this morning. Will you restore the gladness that I once had with you? I have experienced your joy and blessing. Will you restore the joy of the Lord to my heart today? It gives us language with which to communicate and talk to God Almighty. The psalmist gives it to us, and it matters. It's important. The psalmist gives us an invitation to come into the very presence of God with praise and then gives us language with which to be able to express our praise. But our praise, why do we praise? What is it, if you like, what is the foundation of our praise? Is what we do here just mere emotionalism? 
where we stir up with music and with songs and we just root one another on every Sunday, just sort of a pep talk? Is that what we do? Is that why we gather together to praise? Just so we can pep, pep each other up in order to be able to say, hey, hey, all right, now let's go get them. No. Now I suggest to you there's a great foundation for our praise. Let's look at it together. The psalmist gives us the foundation of praise. Verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist says that there are things that we need to know. There's a foundation. There are things that you and I must know. Otherwise, we will not praise. Otherwise, our praise will be anemic. Otherwise, it's just mere emotionalism. When we come, That's what we do. There are certain things that are the very foundational elements of our faith that Christians need to know if they are going to praise like the psalmist calls us to praise. And the first of all, he says this, that we need to know that the Lord is God, that the Lord is God. This seems, at first blush, it might seem like repetition, Lord God, it's not. He's talking to the people of Israel. It's called, this is a call to the people of Israel to come into the presence of God with gladness and with thanksgiving and with praise and with worship. There were many gods that were, they were surrounded by gods. They were surrounded by other nations that were, that were worshiping all these different gods. There was a lot of syncretism where it would be the blending of the worship of other gods. And what he's saying is, there, there are all these gods, but there's one God, and the God has a name. The God of Israel, the God of the Bible, the God who has spoken in his word has a name, and his name is the Lord. His name is I Am. His name is Yahweh. This is the Lord. There are all these other gods, but there is one God and Lord of all. That's what he says. And you need to know it, and I need to know it. Otherwise, we will have anemic praise. But if we are going to have full, robust praise, then we must know that there is one Lord and he has a, he, there is one God and he has a name and it is the Lord. He goes on and says that we also need to know that God has made us. God has made us. It is he who made us. The Lord is God. It is he who made us. He's made us personally. He's made you individually, that you are not a self-made person. That you are not made by all of your striving and all of your effort. No, you are actually a creation by God. That God who is the Lord has made you and has made you. And you are unique and that you are special and you were made by God. You are you and God made you. But he didn't just make you as an individually. He made you as a us corporately. He made us that God is gathering together a people for himself, that God made you, that the God is the Lord and he has called the Israel together. He chose Israel, why? In order that all of the nations of all of the world might know that there is a God in Israel and that God is the Lord. He's gathering together a people and he's still gathering together a people and it's called the church. God is gathering a people together who know him, who love him, who recognize that there is one God and his name is the Lord. And he's gathering a people together in order that he might be able to inhabit their praise, that those who on look to the church are able to say what's going on in there. And we're coming together Sunday after Sunday, week after week, saying Jesus is Lord, that the Lord is God. There is one God and his name is the Lord. And he's gathering a people. He's created you. He's created us. 
by drawing us into himself in order that we might be able to say, the Lord is God. We need to know this morning, we need to know that God is drawing us to himself. That God who is the Lord, the Lord who is God is drawing you to him. He created us. You don't come to faith. You don't come to this type of worship on your own. You can't just wish it into existence. God, by his spirit, has to create in you new life in order that you might be able to praise like he calls us to praise. God is Lord. God has made us. And we are his people. We are his people the sheep of his pasture, that we belong to him. When you have been drawn into the church, when you've been drawn into relationship with God, when your heart has been changed, when your heart has been softened to Christ and who he is and all that he has done, then you are his. Then you have a shepherd. You have one who is caring for you and caring for your soul. We do as those who are his. You are his child, as it were. You are the sheep of his pasture. You have a shepherd who cares for you. How does he care for you? Ultimately, we have the good shepherd who has laid down his life for the sheep. Those who are his know the voice of their shepherd and are able to follow him. He he died for us, he leads us, he guides us, he cares for us, he protects us, and he happens to be the Lord who is God. He's the one, he is Lord who is your shepherd. And if we are going to be those who have the praise of gladness and thanksgiving and joy in our hearts, then we need to know that the Lord is God. We need to know that he created us. We need to know that he protects us and that he cares for us. That these are foundational things that we must know. That our praise is based on. But that's not all. He continues. And he says in verse 5, For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We need to know this morning that the Lord is good. We need to know that the Lord is good. This is the covenantal love of God. This is the grace of God that will never let you go. You need to know this morning. If our praise is going to be the praise that the psalmist is inviting us into, then we need to have at the very center of our being the conviction that God is good. When I was a high school student, I had the opportunity to go to inner city Philadelphia on a trip through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. <clears throat> we worked with, with kids there and we worked with inner city youth and inner city churches. And we went, we had the opportunity to worship at a particular church. And uh, we were some of the only white people there. Um, it was a fantastic experience. So a new one for me as a, as a high school student, the pastor steps up onto, onto the platform of this small church and he looks out and he says, God is good. And the people said, all the time. And he said, all the time, people said, God is good. He says, I'm sorry, church, I don't think you heard me. I said, God is good. And they said, and I, so I'm here, you know, I'm like, what is going on, right? right? And they, they, he says, church, I don't think you heard me. God is good. And they said, all the time. And he said, all the time. He said, God is good. He said, we're getting there, church. We're starting to believe. I said, God is good. 
all the time. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it, church? If God were to take away your home and your money and your car and your resources, if God were to take you into the desert, then do you believe that God is good all the time and that all the time that God is good? Because our praise of God is not anemic. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on our circumstances. The praise of God's people is based on the very nature and character of Almighty God. And this is good news, friends. This is good news. This is good news for those who have no money this morning and find themselves wandering around saying, how are we going to be able to make it? This is good news for those of you who have everything. The world has given you everything, and yet you you come into this room this morning feeling completely and utterly alone. It's good news for those of you who are dealing with chronic physical pain. It's good news for those of you who find yourself battling sickness. It's good news for those of us who are suffering through great loss. It is good news that we are able to say with the psalmist, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Why do the people of God praise him? It's not because of their circumstances. It's because God is good all the time. It's because of his love. That's why we praise him. And if we, if, if, look, if my praise is dependent upon how I feel, then I'd still be in bed right now. If, if, our, if our praise of God is dependent upon our circumstances and how we feel, then quite frankly, we might as well give up because quite frankly, ten, nine days out of 10, I feel lousy. I'm going, oh, geez, or is it this or that? Oh, man. It, no. We go back to the things that we must know, which is that there, the Lord is God, that he has created us. He's drawn a people to himself. We need to know that he is our shepherd, that he sees us, that he knows us, that he cares for us, that the Lord is good and that his love endures forever. That his love endures forever. We started our worship with Psalm 136 where we said his love endures forever. And you said it and you said it and you said it. And it was on purpose because I need to be reminded that his love endures forever. And if I need to be reminded, I assume you need to be reminded. Your faith may be stronger than mine, but friends, we as those who are called together to worship God need to be reminded that he's good all the time and that his love endures forever. We are called to praise. We are, we are given language to praise. We have been given a foundation of praise. And our praise is not based on our feelings and our praise is not based on our emotions and our praise is not based on our circumstances. The praise of God's people is based in the character and nature of who God is as he's revealed himself in his word, that he is the Lord, that he has made us, that he is protecting us, that he is good and that he is always faithful and therefore our lips will praise him. So how can we do this? What are we to do with this? In the time that we have remaining, the preparation for praise. What I refer to as the preparation for praise. We need, to, we need to prepare to praise. The first way I would suggest that we need to prepare for praise is that we need a plan. A lot of P's going on there. I just realized that. Um, <clears throat> we need a plan. 
You will not praise God the way the psalmist calls us to praise him on accident. It will not sneak up on you. It is the people of God who have to intentionally, purposely make a plan in order to be able to fuel their praise. Part of that has to do with reading the Bible, reading, reminding ourselves of who God is. Look, we put together this reading plan. It wasn't just for fun. It was for you to be able to regularly have a plan to be able to be reminded of who God is. You need to be reminded of who God is, and that has to be a part of the plan. I don't care if you do it at 5 in the morning or 5 in the evening, or I don't care where you do it. I care that you have a plan to be able to say, how am I going to intentionally be in the presence of God? How am I going to do that? You need to plan to come and be with God's people in corporate worship. We have our videos online, all of our sermons online, so when you're traveling, you can, you can stay connected to your faith community. We love that. We're going to keep doing that. But there's something about gathering with the people of God that you plan to be in the, part, in the presence of God because when we see the other people of God in the midst of their life circumstances praising God, then it helps you in the midst of your life circumstances to praise God. We need a plan to be together in make worship a priority. We need to get sleep. You need to know you're coming to worship. You need to prepare yourself. I I recognize that sometimes I'm as boring as boring gets. I get it, and and you just have to sleep. I, I totally get it in the middle of the sermon. I get it. But not every week. I know there, some of you are young mothers and you have kids that wake you up at times that are just, that's just sinful. Um, I get it. I understand. But you need to prepare yourself to be able to come and be with the people of God. You need a plan. You need a plan to help you prepare for praise. Second, you need to participate. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The gates are open you can enter into the very presence of God. It is the job of the people of God to prepare themselves to go into the very presence of God. You're coming into the very presence of God together. How are you? Uh, This is not a spectator sport, right? The praise of God's people is not a spectator sport. This is not like going to a concert where you just sit and observe and expect to be entertained. This isn't like going to the movies where you can just sit back with a Coke and some popcorn and just say, hey, hey, all right, make me a better person now because I'm here in front of you. No, no, no. This is about participating in the worship. This is you coming to say, I'm going to engage God, and I'm going to engage God with his people. And so when you sing the songs, it's not just like, it's your breath and my lungs that is... uh, Are you coming with the expectation that you're going to engage? Part of you listening to me right now and being an engaged listener, it's not just my job to not be terribly boring. It's also your job to make sure that you're going to listen. And that's a part of worship. It's engaging the prayers. When people come and they pray, are you thinking? Are you engaging your mind? Are you engaged in worship? Worship is is not a spectator sport. You have to join in and participate in the worship of God. We need a plan for our worship. We need to participate in worship, and then we need to pray for our worship. We need to pray for our praise. The most powerful thing you can do is to pray. It doesn't feel like that, but it is. It's the most powerful thing you can do to pray. You, the psalmist gives you language with what to pray and to petition God that you might be able to, that he might stir your soul to praise. 
It's every Sunday morning. I get up early and I come here early. It's not because I'm not prepared. It's because I have to prepare. And I have to prepare me to be here with you to do this work. And I take that seriously. And so I get into my room and I close the blinds in order that I might be able to petition God for me, that I might have a right heart, that I'm not coming here preaching, trying to get some sort of accolades, but I can properly represent the word of God, whether people are going to like it or not, whether people are going to sleep or not. My job is to feed the sheep, and I want to do that well and faithfully, and so I need to pray that God will help me and assist me in the endeavor. I need to pray for my own heart, and I pray for you that God will draw the people here who God wants to speak to through his word as we gather together. I pray for you. I pray that God will continue to draw more that they might be able to hear the word of God and engage him in worship. I pray for the other churches in Maple Grove that are faithfully proclaiming Jesus Christ and for those that aren't in order they would start proclaiming Jesus Christ. I pray for the churches that are around the Twin Cities that they too may proclaim Christ because we're in this together. I pray for the other churches around the nation, my friends in ministry and colleagues in ministry. I pray that God too may use them to stir the hearts of God's people to praise because we have the privilege every Sunday morning to add our voices to all of those people who have been praising Almighty God through the corridors of history. And there will one day be a church who will look down and say, I was able to participate in praise because those people were faithful in their praise. We need to pray and petition God that he will use our praise, he will inhabit our praise, and that he will make us better praisers, even for people who are genetically predisposed to not praise well, like your pastor. And yet, we must pray that God helps us to praise because while I may not be good at it, he is always worthy of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the psalmist's honest petition and challenge to me and to us. Will you help us to not be slow to praise, that we won't be sloppy in our praise, but rather that we would be those who have a plan and that we would full wholeheartedly participate in praise in order that we might grow in our praise and worship and adoration of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.